Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. All right, you all, we are going to do this. I am committed to the best case scenario and managing risk at the same time. <laughs> it's been quite a 24 hours with me and technology. Nothing like spending two hours trying to get your outbound, outgoing emails to get sent out and losing 20 of them in the process. <laughs> Love it. Anyways, I'm here to better days or better time spent with you today. And hopefully my technology problems are over and we get to have a great time together. All right. So what is happening with you in your life? I have technology issues. What do you have going on? And it's really important, right? Not that I want to story fondle that, oh, life is a struggle. I just want us to own that life is a struggle and that is the norm and you can have a great life. There's the ups and the downs of life. And we need to know that 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 is normal. That's the common humanity piece because so often we beat ourselves up because of what we're going through in that moment. And we want it to be quote unquote, perfect. (laughs) We just use different cover words for it. Effective, efficient. The last thing I wanted to do was spend two hours today dealing with my email. But that is what had happened. Those are the obstacles sometimes in our life, no matter how well planned out the day is. So breathe in, get it fixed. And guess what? I still get to be here with you. So yippee skippy for us. All right. Before we get started, I have a shout out. It was so cool. I got to do a consult the other day with a longtime listener and she's been listening to the show for two years, you guys, two years. And yes, I've been on the show since 2006. Somebody was saying, you know, too bad I hadn't numbered the shows, but I started the show before anybody numbered podcasts. Anyways, I probably have like 650 or 700 episodes in the archives. Go listen. They're fantastic. But anyway, she's been listening for two years and she's been applying the work from the show. Here is the secret, even though I don't like secrets, but here's the thing. It's the application of what you know that transforms your life. Again, it's the application of what you know that transforms your life. I get it. I, one of my favorite things that I used to do, and I still love to do it, but I used to love to go to the bookstore and buy these books because it's like, oh, the promise of changing my life, right? Oh, let me just, if I can just read this book, my life's going to be better. It's not only reading the book, it's understanding the book, and then it's applying the book. We have to put it into practice (laughs) because it's not about the information. In fact, these days we have more than enough information And there's many different ways to do something, but it's the application. So what's been so awesome for her is she's listened to the show and she's transformed her life. And I love it because she totally owned her story. She goes, Corinne, you've been my best friend for two years. And I love that. I want you guys to give yourself that permission about the relationships that we have 
because I do consider it a huge honor and a huge privilege that oftentimes we have this very intimate relationship where I am in your ears, right? Typically we're listening to podcasts in the car or going for a walk or people are doing their laundry or out gardening and you have it in your ears. And that for me is like the coffee talks that I go and have with my girlfriends, right? Those intimate conversations that we have. So she called me her best friend for two years. Yay her. I'm so glad that she's been able to transform her life. And I was able to walk through her life with her for the past two years. And, and I really love that I'm in this space and I feel honored to hold this space for someone. So I'm so glad that she and I connected and for you to have, give yourself that permission of like, oh, whether it's, you know, who can you be your teachers, your mentors, your best friends, who do you take to help fill up the noise in your head with the things that support you instead of the things that take away. And I think it was last week's show that I talked about last year at this time, I was getting ready to go to us. Well, I was starting to think about going to Australia and I started watching this awesome television show from Australia. It's kind of like the Aussies version of Friends. I think it was called Wonderlust. And I just loved it. And I was so sad when it was over because I felt like these were my friends. These were the people that I got to hang out with when I would watch the show. And it was so lovely. And I loved most of the storylines. And it was great. So they were my friends. There's nothing wrong with that, people. Like, let's just embrace the things that fill us up. So... My enough group has started. Love, love, love these new groups of enoughers that come in and seeing where they start and the newbies that they are and then the transformation. I know where they're going and they're excited and they're afraid and all of it in between. And and I'm so committed to them and to the group and I'm so looking forward to it. So that's what's new with me. What is new with you? And I used to hate that question because I'd be like, seriously, my life is the same. Da, 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 da. But really, there's a lot new with me. What's new with you? Think about how you can answer that instead of from a place of drudgery. What's new? Could be that, you know what? The sun is shining. It's winter 2020 and today the sun is shining. That is a beautiful thing. All right. So today I'm here to talk about the one thing. And this is something that I think is really, really important. (laughs) Well, of course I think it's important. I'm talking about it. But here's the thing. Until Brene Brown came along back in, you know, like, what was it, 2010, where she really got onto this national stage, and she started talking about the things that none of us wanted to talk about, like vulnerability and shame. Like, she's a shame researcher, right? Who wants to talk about shame? In fact, I didn't even like that word, shame. It was so not part of my vocabulary because I hid away from it. But the thing about shame is when you understand it, it can no longer hijack your life. And unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you want to look at it, shame is an obstacle in all of our lives. It's not just like I used to think, oh, I'm a loser from Loser Street. So it's only me. It's just me. It's not just us. And that's why Brene has been such a guiding light for all of us because she brought this incredible research and put it in a context that we could understand. So here's the thing. The reason that shame is so devastating is because it threatens our place of beloved and belonging. We think we're bad or broken or not enough. And when you struggle with shame, and remember, we all do. That's so, so important to remember because often when we're struggling in shame, we all of a sudden like forget that it's a common issue and we think we're the only ones. And this goes back to when I used to teach beginning swimming to adults, 
And I really believe anybody can learn how to swim. I've taught people from Africa how to learn how to swim. People who would actually, they taught me because they would kick and go backwards. And I remember I was like 25 going, how are you going backwards? Like I had to learn that. How do they go backwards while they're trying to kick forward? I've learned that they need to point their toes. I've taught 86-year-old senior citizens who had a lot of trauma around water and who had almost died when they were young, but they were really adamant. I've taught, you know, 70-year-old people who wanted to go on a cruise but were afraid until they learned how to swim. I've taught little kids. I've taught everybody. Everybody can learn how to swim. And that's the thing is is that when everybody understood that they can learn how to swim, then they actually got empowered and they were able to learn how to swim. We, when I taught them how to swim, and these were adults, we were in three and a half feet deep of water. And I'm sorry for those of you that live outside the US because I don't know what that would be in the metrics. But basically, kind of like waist, chest level depth. So I would always remind them that if they get in a place of panic or fear and they start to feel like they're out of balance, which is often the case when you're learning something new, that they could put their feet on the ground. And I would remind them that over and over and over again because they needed to have that because they came in with so much fear. They needed to remember that they could stand up, that worst case scenario, they could stand up. Remember, commit to the best case scenario, manage risk. I taught them in three and a half feet deep of water. I managed the risk and I was committed to them learning how to swim. So how does it apply to shame? The thing is, is that shame, we all struggle with it. You will hear me say that and you've heard me say that hundreds of times on this show. My clients hear me say it all the time. And it's like, every time I remind them, it's like when I used to tell my students, you can stand up. They'd be like, oh, that's right. I'm not the only one. Because when we get into shame storms, we really believe we're alone. And then that creates even more dirty pain. So let me clean up a concept for you. There's this idea of clean pain and dirty pain. Clean pain is your best friend no longer wants to be friends. Your spouse ends your marriage, right? You lose your job. That's the clean pain. That's Those are really painful things. The dirty pain is it's because I wasn't pretty enough, thin enough, smart enough, didn't dress enough. Like all of the extra self-beatings that we do, those critics in our head, that's the dirty pain that we add a lot of baggage. Oh, I said the wrong thing. So the clean pain is we are all in shame. And we need to remember, it's so important for us to remember that we all have shame. Now, here's the thing, because we don't want to deal with shame, because we don't want to talk about it, except here you are with me. And I love to talk about shame because it's so, so important. By understanding shame, we can empower our lives. And that is the goal to live empowered lives so that you are the leader of your life. So you authentically show up in your life. To get to there though, you need to understand shame because what we do, there's a few things we do. We try to outrun it, right? It's like, oh, I'm just going to pretend it's not there. I spent many decades doing that. It's like, I don't like that word. We're not going to talk about that word. I'm just going to ignore it. But here's the problem. You can't outrun it. You can try to numb it with food or Netflix or drinking or busyness, but you can't outrun it because here's the thing. Wherever you are, there it is. And the thing about shame is it's inside of you. So you try to outrun it, you try to hide from it, but it's inside of you. The other thing that we do, and I used to be really good at this, and I can still step into it from time to time, is we sell ourselves out in order to please others in our lives. And that, my friend, I call approval whoring. 
And it's really important for me to remind myself of that because I never want to sell myself out. People pleasing sounds way too nice. It's like, oh, I should be nice. (laughs) I should be a nice person. (laughs) So should people please? Well, should is judgment. It's rooted in shame. There we go. But approval whoring, it's like, oh no, I am a person who does not sell herself out. That is really important to me to stand my own integrity. So you sell yourself out in order to please others in your life. And why are you doing that? You're doing that because we believe that we can fit in and someday finally, finally belong. And the person we believe we have to be in order to fit in and please others is not who we are. So what happens is this only further reinforces the message to ourselves that, hmm, indeed, there is something wrong with me. And of course, I'm not worthy of love and belonging. Does that sound familiar? I know. So here we are trying to disconnect from shame by selling ourselves out. The other one was to hide away or to outrun it. Neither of them the work. One, it's always with you. Two is, is that by you not being you, by you being who you think you're supposed to be, you're only dialing up more shame. The other one is (laughs) you try to come out swinging. So I call this going gladiator. So when you go gladiator, it's you can fight with others to prove your worthiness. You are going to take them down. Do you ever have those uncomfortable conversations? Somebody says something to you and, or they send you an email and you are just creating the story of like, I'm going to take them down. I'm going to say this, this, and this, or I'm going to let them fail. And a client say this either. They're all going to fail. And then I'm going to come in and say, see, you guys were all wrong. What were you thinking? That is a bit of gladiating. We also do this to ourselves really, really good. This is one of mine. Like it's a great way to puff up is to gladiate, right? And so whether I do speak it or I just imagine it in my head to the other people, but the other thing I do to myself, seriously, Corinne, what the hell's wrong with you? Who do you think you really are? Seriously, da, 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 right? You're just a loser from loser street. Those are the kind of things that I used to gladiate on myself. This isn't really possible for you. These are the things I used to say to myself. That's called gladiating. That's swinging, coming out swinging. So you can fight with others to try to prove your worthiness. But here's the thing, my friend. How's that turning out for you? How's that working for you? How's beating yourself up and going inner gladiator getting you to being worthy? Right? Because that's what we really want. We feel the shame, which is unworthiness. And what we really want is to feel worthy. We really want to feel that. We want a place to belong. So instead of reacting to shame this way, what I found is that it takes courage to live this thing called life. And (laughs) courage is my top value. And I really hated it when I found out about it. I was like, seriously, there's this not, I don't want to call it a test, but there's this values exercise that I do with my clients. And it always comes up like it is so strong, but it makes sense. It takes courage for me to be here with you today. It takes courage so often to show up in my life. It took courage to be a swimmer. Like, and I say that to my parents all the time on the monsters, right? It's really courageous. These kids, they get up on the blocks in their brain. The story is like, oh my God, everybody's watching me. And I, what if I fail? What if I get a DQ? What if this? And what I always remind the kids is that you're lucky if your parents and your coach are watching you and the rest of everybody else is going, how much longer till this meets over? They're looking at their watch, right? Or they're busy talking and catching up with friends once they realize it's a play date, it's a great place to have fun. 
But when they're first starting out and they think it's kind of a waste of time, they're looking at how soon till I can get to get out of there. But it takes so much courage for these kids to show up. Shoot, it took courage for me (laughs) to go to the beauty salon. That is another day. I'll tell you that story another time. (laughs) Okay, so here's the thing. A while back, I had one of my clients and she's a leader. She's very well known in her world. And to those on the outside, it looks like she has it all. Great work, financial freedom, marriage, kids, and friends. Her life is full. In fact, there wasn't a whole lot of space when she first came to me. She, like many of them, are like, Karen, I don't know, I'm really busy. They want the magic wand. Like, can't you just be my fairy godmother? <laughs> One of my clients actually said that to me this week. I'm like, no, I'm really clear about that. But while her life may have been full, what most people on the outside of her, outside of herself, didn't know that she shared with me was she was incredibly lonely and she had so much pain. She was struggling with raising her kids because as you all know, there's the fairy tale, like there's the excitement that you're so excited when you to have a baby and to be pregnant and to have the pregnancy and the dreams that we have for our kids. And we never think of the messiness, right? The sleepless nights, the teenagers not liking us, the vulnerability you feel as a parent, and it never stops, never stops. But as she struggled in raising her kids, she beat herself up. I must not be a good enough mom. I'm too distracted because of work. I'm not available, right? She would just beat herself up. There was pain in her marriage because what happens as we get busy and we add more things to our plate and we've got our career and our kids, we stop keeping those commitments. We get a little sloppy about how we show up. I'm not talking about how we show up and we look, but maybe we don't honor the commitments in our marriage the way we do to our work commitments. If we say we're going to do something at work and people are like, oh yeah, you're a person who gets it done, but you can never make that commitment at home over time that leads to distrust, right? And I'm talking small stuff. I'm not talking like the big stuff of betrayal. I'm talking about being able to connect or go on walks or check in, being there, those small things, small things is what builds trust. So there was difficulties in her marriage. The message that she was receiving at home, it was all her fault the struggles with raising her kids, the pain in her marriage. Now, remember on the outside, she looked like she had this great family, right? And sometimes often people would say, oh, well, you guys have this perfect family because that's how they looked. But on the inside, there was pain. And this was pretty much the story of her life because on the outside, things have always looked good. And on the inside, they hurt. And she had this belief that it was always on her that if things fell apart, it was her fault. So this wasn't a new message. It was a message that was internal for her. And she's internalized that message for decades. So that's why she started working. We started working together. She hired me as her coach to help dig deep into her story to see what was really true and what was not true. And she discovered that her beliefs that had weighed her down over the years. Because here's the thing, she believed that once she built a great career, it would take away the shaming beliefs of being bad, broken, and the problem. So like many of us, she just believed she needed to work harder, right? So she believed that once she built a great career, it would take away the shaming beliefs of being bad and broken and the problem. She believed once she found the right man, 
who in his own right is highly successful and beloved, that relationship would take away her shameful pain as he would validate her worthiness. And she believed that once she had financial freedom, she would prove to the world. And remember, never anyone specific. That's what's so fascinating by our brains. But she would prove to the world that she was indeed good enough. Because, you know, we think that money is some sort of validator of us as humans. And when her kids were young, she believed that their relationship would be different than her own relationship with her family of origin. (laughs) And then she hit those teenage adult parenting years. And there was a lot of hate sent her way by her children. And it was so painful. And then she went tapped into her story of, it's my fault. It's all on me. Because that's the story that she'd always grown up with. That was what she made things mean. So we had worked on discovering that belief that weighed her down. (laughs) And then she wasn't too thrilled when I told her the next step after creating the awareness of her limiting beliefs, but her next step was to be courageous. She didn't like that. (laughs) She's like, no, no, Corinne. I just want it to be all fixed. I want to be comfortable. I don't want more problems. I want it to be fixed. But here's the thing. If we want loving, connected relationships, we have to be willing to be vulnerable. It takes courage to be vulnerable, you guys. It really, really does because vulnerability is not a comfortable feeling. It's uncertainty, emotional exposure, and risk. I don't know about you, but those three things are not my favorite. I am not an adrenaline junkie. I don't like those things. So it took courage for her because the people in her life that mattered most to her were her kids and her husband. And this was also an arena where there was a lot of pain. And it was a hidden arena because remember, the outsides looked really good. And then there was the insides, the inside the home. And it wasn't that they didn't love each other. They just struggled. They all brought in their pain because shame is so highly corrosive. So for her, it took courage because she needed to stop and check in. She needed to stop and check in with the stories of when others were blaming and hating her really looking at what is really true and what is not true. When was she being difficult or being hard? And when was it that people just didn't want to have boundaries? It took courage for her to own her painful truths of how she did contribute. Because we all do. I've never sat here on the show and said, oh, it's everybody else. It's not you. We need to own our story and love ourselves really own our story and love ourselves because that is how we cultivate this growth mindset. And that is how we create the results that we want. So it took courage for her to own her truth and it took courage to own her truth and look at how does she contribute? Because like all of us, she's made her share of mistakes and it took courage for her to also own her strengths. So not only are we owning the pain that we can bring in our flaws, but we own our strengths and we love ourselves. And she needed to be able to love herself in a place where there was a lot of pain in her home. So through our work together, she took courageous steps. First was to sit in the white space. And instead of filling it up with busyness, in that white space, she started to unpack her stories and have an awareness of her life. And in the space, she courageously worked on her relationship with the most important relationship, herself. And I know that is so counterculture, my friend, because you want to say, but that's really selfish. 
but she has to be whole. She has to be filled with love before she can go out and really work with others. Not doesn't mean she stays and doesn't do anything, but shame is highly contagious. So if she's showing up with shame, that's what she's bringing into the environment. So she had to work on her relationship with herself. She practiced talking to herself with compassion and love. That is a practice. So there's an integration. It's not like she goes off, takes herself away and then comes back all fixed. It's an integration into her life, right? But learning how to talk to herself with love and compassion. And then she can also practice it with her family and friends. It wasn't a new skill set because she really had it in other arenas of her life, but she just didn't apply it to herself, which was so, so important. She paid attention to how she talked with herself and how she interpreted events and found fault with herself. And she recognized she was really, really, really hard on herself. And for the first time, she started getting a glimpse of what other people would say to her when they would say, you're so hard on yourself. Stop that. She didn't understand because she thought being hard on herself was going to get her the results she wanted. She took courage because she chose to love herself. And that's so scary, right? Because it seems so simple, like, oh, I just need to love myself. I just need to be me. But then there's that voice in the back of her head that says, seriously, but you've got all these problems. You can't love yourself. Somebody else will think you're foolish, right? There's always that self-doubt in the back. So that's why it takes courage. So we did this work and instead of having the outside things in our life, her career, money, relationships, the perception of the relationships, right? Because on the outside, it looked like she had it all and there was disconnection. It wasn't that there wasn't love there. They were just disconnected. But she had to let go of the things on the outside, determining her worthiness and her value. And she realized it's time for her to be the hero of her own story and create her insights to match the success of the outsides. So from this place, she cultivated love and connection within herself. And this is what she desired with her family. And she cultivated that first with herself and then with them, because these were the most important people in her life. And she was able to do this because of the love she had inside of herself, which allowed her to give love to these incredibly important people. Because one thing that's really important to remember is one can't give what one doesn't have. If you don't have self-love, if you aren't filled with love, you can't give love to other people. And the cost sometimes when you do give some love and you don't have a whole lot, it's usually resentment later on because you're typically giving love out of approval whoring. Mind-blowing moment, right? All right. So because she loves herself and is now courageous, she has been able to create relationships she wants. She's no longer waiting to be asked. Reese Witherspoon has this great quote where she says, I encourage women to step up. Don't wait for someone to ask you. And my client is creating the life she wants and is leading instead of waiting to be chosen. And that's really in the friendship realm because she was so busy that most of her social stuff was There wasn't the things that she wanted to do. They were the responsibilities, the obligation of being a parent or being a professional. And so she started creating the relationships that she really wanted. And now she knows and lives this life. She knows it. She uses her voice and asks for what she needs, both personally and professionally. 
And she realizes she doesn't have to be strong 24 seven. It doesn't have to all fall onto her shoulders. And she's had strong boundaries of what she's responsible for and also allowed the ability to receive help and get support. So the one thing that really led to all this is that she was willing to be courageous, being courageous, reaching out and asking, you know, for help with me as a coach, right? Being courageous and trying these new things. It opened up so many areas of her life and each step of courage moved her closer to the life she wanted, but didn't believe she could have had. And the life that she wanted was the insides matching her outside. She created that amazing life on the outside, but she wanted to match and it wasn't matching. So by taking each of these courageous steps, by stopping and checking in and owning the painful truths and knowing her truth, which is both her strengths and her flaws and the courage to be loving and compassionate with herself, this is what allowed her to radically change her life from the inside. The outside already looked damn good. And now her insides match the outsides. She had lived courageously before on like just working really hard and doing the stuff and creating these outside things, but she had done it from a place of fear and shame. She worked hard in the approval horde and was in flight or flight most of the time because it was like, I have to be successful because there was so much fear of loss. But when we could turn it around and her to do it from a place of love and compassion, that's where things really grew for her. And that's where the alignment between her insides and outsides happened. That's the transformation. So my friend, it takes courage to live this thing called life. There are no guarantees and it's not easy, but man, oh man, it's so worth it. And I want you to think about your own life and how does her story, what are the nuggets that it can apply to your life? Are you ready to live a courageous and loving life? Are you ready for your insides to match the outsides? It's a bit of synchronicity, this podcast showing up in your life today, isn't it? Now it's your turn because that will create the radically beautiful life change that you want. You must apply what is here on the show. You must apply it. You must implement it into your life, whether you do it on your own with girlfriends or you apply for coaching with me, put it into action. That is where the transformation happens. All right. The one thing is courage. Lean on that, my friend. I'm smelling big for you. My friend, you know that your voice matters. It matters to me. And so we're going to do two things here. We're going to one practice on your voice mattering and you owning your voice. And the other is preserving your brain juice. So the first thing I want you to go do is share your voice. Leave a review of the show on iTunes. Tell me what you love. Tell me why you're here. Your voice matters. And the second thing, if you haven't done it already, preserve your brain juice by making sure you hit the subscribe button and you're subscribed to the show. I'm smiling big for you. I can't wait to give you a shout out on the show in the future. Until next time. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so. Sold-